following interview contains some colourful language and may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised. Koto, Tama here to welcome you back to the summer season of Pod Uni. In this episode, Colin interviews Lucy from Shit You Should Care About, or Siska for short. Siska is a multimedia news platform aimed primarily at Gen Z, but some of the earlier generations are big fans too. Lucy started Siska while she was in uni, along with her two best mates, Liv and Rubes. They like to take the news and focus on the more heartening aspects, making it more fun for you and me. Be sure to check out their website, shityoushouldcareabout.substack.com, where they have a daily newsletter along with heaps of other cool stuff, or give them a follow on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. All these links are in the description. Over to Lewis and Colin. Kia ora everyone, I'm Luce. I am the founder of a media company called Shit You Should Care About. I write a daily newsletter, I post on all of our socials, I basically read the news so that all of you don't have to and try and make it as least depressing as possible, Um, but I can't do this on my own, so I have a team of three, my best friends from from high school, I think we were 15 or maybe younger when we met, Um, we've got Rubes who runs the commercial side of the business. She makes sure that we can actually make money and she also basically makes sure that Liv and I, the two creatives, um, know what we're doing and hand everything in on time and she's a legend. And then we have Liv. Liv makes everything shine. She's our creative director. She does all the designs. She also co-hosts the Culture Vulture podcast with me. She writes a newsletter called Culture Vulture and yeah, we just, we fill each other's gaps and we make the news feel accessible. Super duper. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I can, I can second the um, Rubes is a legend. She's been superb on those email comms. <laughs> She's such a legend. Everybody needs a Ruby. I feel like to have a successful media company and the the verdict's still out as to whether we're that, but you need to be able to find someone that doesn't want to be doing all the creative stuff all the time, that actually loves the organization and is really good at the keeping the business running side. Because if you're all just creatives running around like headless chickens, it's just not going to work. For sure. For sure. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, can I tell? So I I I love uh, listening to your podcast, and I appreciate how you kind of ease your way into them by just sort of chitty chatting about uh, recent <laughs> recent in your life things. Um, this is not as recent as some of your other things because you've been up to tons of things in the past <laughs> few months. But as a Texan, I want to know a little bit about your trip to Texas. Um, okay. <laughs> favorite favorite food? What did, what what did you have there? You're like, oh, I love that. Oh, um the barbecue I went to Mm. Austin and I like the cream corn I didn't know I'd only ever had cream corn from a can and I went over there and like brisket cream corn mac and cheese I'd never had proper mac and cheese Austin like this is aside from the food 
all the music. Where are you from in Texas? I'm from Austin. That's my hometown. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I know. Like, literally, want to move there. It was so cool. I, seriously, I was a bit worried. I was like, Lucy, what are you doing in Texas? Like, you know the track record with X, Y, Z. But then I was, I went over there for work, and thank God I did because I think Austin is so cool. There was a live music in the airport. Yes, in the but, airport. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I really want to go back. I want to go to South by Southwest. I, w- I need to go back. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the yeah. Cisco could could find its way into South by. I yeah, I think so too. I mean, I just want to be there as an observer. But look, if they want me to, if they want me to host it, no, no. why not? <laughs> I know. But yeah, I loved, I loved Austin. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, Austin is a fun city. Uh, but I, 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 yeah, I was curious to know your perspective because, like you, I mean. I've been critical of Texas before for plenty of reasons. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, it, um, and yet there are things to, to love, like it's creamed corn. So. Like it's creamed corn and it's live music. Yeah. Do you legit think you could live there? I actually do, except for how hot it was. I got mm. there and it was like 37 degrees and humid. But I did think there was something weird about Austin that I really liked and didn't expect. Like, and the startup vibes over there were impeccable. I just, I didn't expect it. I think that's why, I mean, I was only there for four days, so it was very rose tinted, but yeah, I thought it was sick. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. There are so many smart people doing kick-ass things over there in that city. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Very cool. rad. Oh, cool. All right. Um, well, tell us the story behind Siska. Like how did it come to be? It's origin story. It's origin story. Um, okay, well, what happened was, obviously, Rubes, Liv, and I, we grew up in, I don't know if this is obvious, actually, we grew up in Blenheim, which is a small town in the South Island of New Zealand. Um, we met, we probably met before we were 15, but from 15 onwards, we've been best mates, and then we all went to uni together in Wellington, and in our third year of uni, um. I was just sitting in one of my lectures and I was learning about international relations and I also was taking media classes and like I've been there for three years. I knew that I was fine at school. I was a good student, but for some reason I was just like, why do I not understand like anything about the world around me? I've been here for three years I'm trying to learn it, but all the readings don't make sense. The news stories that you're linking to, like there's just nothing that's making me like get it. Um, And that was because, you know, they were all black and white and they were really long and they used words that I'd have to go and Google and then I'd get distracted. And so I honestly just text Ruby and Liv from the back of one of my international relations classes. And I was like, I think we should start something called Shit You Should Care About where we can just talk about literally anything and everything and Ruby and Liv were both like fuck yeah like let's do it um obviously since we'd grown up together we all knew what each of us were like we knew we could do it together uh and I think they knew that I would I get very obsessive with things that I love and they knew that I would just make this thing like my absolute baby and so then it started as a blog with us three writing, like we tried to write like two pieces a week. That just wasn't maintainable and it just wasn't like, it just couldn't happen. And so then one day I just was like, okay, why don't I just put this piece that I've written for a blog 
onto Instagram. And this was when I don't think you could even swipe through like multiple photos. I think you just put one photo and a long caption. Um, and, and, and I don't think, we didn't feel like that was groundbreaking, but I don't think there was many people doing it. This was in 2018 and it was when like Instagram was just influencers sort of selling you teeth whitening and waist trainers and like skinny tea and stuff like that. And I guess people just felt like it was a bit different. And then we all finished uni. Um, Rubes went and got a big girl job. Liv went and studied design. She first of all studied psychology and media and then went on to do design. And I went and I traveled and I worked, but I kept doing shit you should care about on the side because I just loved it. And so I just did it for years just because it was fun and it was nice to help help things make a bit more sense for people. And then in obviously 2020 we had some global events uh happen and Rubes and I were meant to move to London we couldn't do that so we were stuck at home and we were just doing what we could with what we had and at that point in time it was daily no bullshit COVID updates where we would honestly just help people understand this thing that no one understood um and then at the same time we saw the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement where we had a huge, huge audience in the States, um, which was great because it actually taught me how to be an editor. Like this isn't about what one New Zealander has to say about all these global issues. I could draw on the audience and say, if you want somewhere to talk about this shit, we have this huge audience. It's not for me. It's for you. And so that was really good in terms of me going from someone that wrote the content to someone that like edited it and and sort of had to make some I don't know decisions on how we wanted to move forward and then we had the Trump presidential election the 2021 then we had a New Zealand election and it was just this awful recipe of things that worked out kind of well for us because people wanted to make sense of all these horrible things and um yeah and then so we did it for free. Like we just did it because we loved it until we got some funding from New Zealand on air to make a web series. And that was in 2021. And then Liv and I moved up to Auckland. And then when that funding ran out, we sort of thought, we can probably do this. If we really try, we can try and find some companies to work with that might help us make this thing a full-time gig and so then we poached Ruby from her big good girl job and brought her back in-house and yeah for now for about a year this has been our full-time jobs and it's it's the best launched a newsletter launched some podcasts there's a whole lot that I've missed in that story of you should care about but that's that's the crux yeah that's yeah that's superb um I love that it it has its origins in the back of a of a lecture hall because I feel like so many terrific things happen at uni <laughs> that aren't about like whatever a, a lecturer is saying. Actually, that's probably the least important thing. But like, yeah. it's the coming together of yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and this was a direct, and it wasn't because the the um, lecturer was a bad lecturer. They were brilliant. It was that it wasn't working for my brain, which is very mm. like as soon as something's not grabbing me. And I think this is for a lot of young people now. You just, you can't focus on it and you switch off. So it was like, how do we make the news something that like grabs young people? And mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially at such a tumultuous time, like you said, right? So in some ways making, like, not just making lemons out of lemonade 
for y'all, but uh, but actually like really helping audiences better understand these totally absurd world yeah. situations. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what keeps it. Um, people always ask me, how do I not get down in the dumps? Because my whole job is reading the news and reading these terrible things that that are going on. And like half of that is because I make a really conscious effort to make it enjoyable to read, which means I also have to find enjoyable things. Sometimes that's not the case. Like I said before, I've learned how to be a good editor. And that means that some stories you don't put a funny story after, you know, if you're talking about abortion rights in Texas, you don't follow that with a funny story. So sometimes it's good for us all to sit with things. Other times you can put a Harry Styles photo in there to make people, you know, finish reading the news on a, on a high note. But then also I'm like lucky because I get to feel like I'm doing something about the news, the terrible news cycle. I have the privilege of not just reading it, but also then feeling like I'm turning it into something better, which is how I can keep doing it because I genuinely feel lucky to be doing the job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So tell us more about the, because you've got so many different media platforms now that you're across. Can you give us like a a little picture into like that timeline? Like how is it that you decided, oh, now we need a newsletter. Now we need this, that, and the other. What was missing that led to the impetus to create each one of these different kind of platforms that you're across? That that is a great question because I've never been asked what made us start all the things in in the order that we started them. So it's a great question. So we went from a blog to Instagram because I think that was the first time I noticed you can't expect people to come to you. You actually have to meet them where they are at, especially with young people. It's something I tell lots of like older media operators if they want consulting or anything like that. I, I just have to say you need to let go of your pride or your ego and they're not going to come to you. Go and meet them where they're at. So anyway, we started... Instagram and then I've always wanted to do a podcast and Ruby and Liv really didn't want to but that was a case of please just just do this weird thing with me and this was in 2020 so we were all locked down we sold some tote bags raised some money for some microphones and then um, sat on my bedroom floor and released this shocking shocking episode of the shit show uh, news podcast But I think that came out of just feeling like we needed a place to give people a bit more context and a bit more nuance to the news. Because as soon as we started posting news on Instagram, I knew, I'd studied the media. I knew that this wasn't how people should be getting all their news. It was just a good way of giving a starting point. But then I was like, well, if we're giving people a starting point, we better like follow it up with a little, with like the next point. Um, So we started the podcast yeah, I made Ruby and Liv and thank goodness I did because now the podcasts are like the best part of our our thing. Well, one of the best parts. Actually, the newsletter is my reigning favorite, but we'll get to that. Okay. Um, and then the next podcast, the Pop Culture Podcast, that was born in 2021. And that was because we needed to be able to make this a full-time job. And Neon, the New Zealand streaming service, um, they were streaming Love Island. And that's our favorite reality show. We said to them, let us make you a Love Island series. And they said, okay, we'll give you X amount of money. And um, then it turned into just a general pop culture podcast. But that one came out of like business reasons and has now become 
like the more popular of the two podcasts because it's just a really fun one. Um, so culture vulture, yeah. So we have yeah two podcasts, and then um, another reason we started the podcast was because we started getting shadow banned and threatened on Instagram that we had a few of our posts taken down, a few of our posts about Black Lives Matter, not for any reason that we can find out, but because when we reached out to Instagram, their bots or their algorithms decided it was hate speech or whatever, took them down. And then we had a, uh, your account may be permanently deleted thing. And I was like, we just can't have a Zuckerberg owned company owning our whole audience. We just, that's just not smart. And it's just not going to work for us. And so the podcast were a way of diversifying that. And then then we were really at this like quite a defining moment where we were all on this full time, but we only had an Instagram, a Twitter, which is great for engaging with fans. That's what we use Twitter for and um, the podcasts, but it just didn't feel like enough. And, and everyone was like, well, you need to make an app or you need to make a desktop website. And I just knew, I was like, no young people are going to come to a desktop website. No one's going to download another app. But like, what what should we do? And then I met um, Duncan from Slam Duncan Dunk. Grief, <laughs> Slam Dunk, yeah, from the spinoff, and he became just my mentor slash bestie. Like he learned heaps from me about young people, but I learned everything from him about all the mistakes he'd made starting the spinoff. I could avoid them, and so that's one piece of advice I actually always tell anyone that I'm speaking to is. You'll have so many people trying to give you advice. You shouldn't take, honestly, you shouldn't take most of it. But as soon as you find the right, like the right advice, um, that's that's when you should follow it. How I'm do you know very, it's the right advice? Your gut. Honestly, <laughs> if it's if it's your, like, shit you should care about. I feel like most businesses maybe aren't an extension of you as much as this is an extension of me. But it's like... Yeah, it, honestly, it's like another body part. It, it, it feels wrong. Most of the advice we got just felt really wrong. And then Duncan was like, hey, have you thought about starting a newsletter? And then I did so much research into like the morning brew and all these newsletters that were really big at the time. This was like early days of Substack, I think. Newsletters weren't yeah. huge. Um, but then I just thought this is something that really feels fun it feels like I could do it and then of course me being me um we went into a lock another lockdown lockdowns have been very <laughs> momentous and pushing shit you should care about forward went into another lockdown I needed something else to do dived right into writing a daily newsletter and like I'm not a writer but I write exactly how I speak so I mean you know because you read the newsletter and now you're talking to me yeah. and it's just like I can't help it I'm not a trained journalist, but I've done enough media studies to know what needs to be in there. And I have enough of a tone of voice to know that I can make it interesting that I merge them together and make a lot of mistakes, but you're going to do that in a daily newsletter. Um, and so, yeah, the newsletter came out of needing to diversify, also needing another product to like put advertising in or work with partners in or give away tickets. Um, somewhere that wasn't owned by someone else. I think owning our audience yep. has been really important for me, especially just because I'm terrified of, I don't know, we've watching what's going on with Twitter. We've had to move yep. newsletter platforms because 
review who we used to send it from is being closed down or potentially being closed down. And so that's another thing. As like a media operator, yes, you can be writing the news and stuff, but you also have to be, well, if you're a small team like us, you have to be watching what's happening in the like industry because if review closed down with all our audience there, we'd be screwed. We'd have no one left. So we've moved to Substack. Anyway, um, that's a very long way of answering your question of how how did we decide to start no, that, these new things. That's terrific. That's the that's the level of detail I was curious to know about, right? And and because each each level along the way, it was about, oh, it was about audience here, or it was about diversifying product lines or grabbing um, a, a different, you know, culture vulture. I didn't know that it started from uh, from a deal struck with neon, right? Like, uh, yeah, 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 that's, yeah. The, each one of them and has a good. different. <laughs> yeah, they complement they complement each other in, in really yeah. important ways, and also the challenges of like doing all of this on not a platform or not all of it, but um, large chunks of it on platforms that you don't own, right? So, so yes, so that that's a challenge. Um, yeah. And what about TikTok? You've you've got TikTok. Yes. Um, so we've leaned into TikTok. I, as a consumer, love, adore, like I love TikTok. Um, we have this interesting thing where we made a very conscious decision at the start of Shit You Should Care About to not show our faces. Um, so it's not about us. It never, ever, ever has been. I think in our very first like meeting we had, we said, do we know who runs the BBC? No. Does it matter? No. And so and and so when people um often will go into meetings and they'll say, Oh, but you know, your influences and we're like, Well, we're actually not, you know, we're not we don't we're not influencers in that sense of the term. Maybe we influence how people feel about topics or certain things, that's fine, but we don't show our faces, we're not here to do product placement, whatever. Um, and so I think, yeah, the decision not to show our faces has been just it's been very like telling, I think, of the way the business has moved forward. So when it came to TikTok, uh, we had to do it in a way. It would have been really easy to be able to put the newsletter behind us and me stand in front of it and like talk through the newsletter. But without showing our faces, it's been an interesting challenge. So instead, we use TikTok as like a brand awareness. You know, we show that we're on TikTok. We get it. We're with the young people because we love it. But I honestly, I think if I spent too much time uh, making content for it that was just going to get no views and swiped away into the black hole of TikTok, um, that would be for a team of three and me making all the content, I think that would be a waste of my time. I think there needs to be really good news on TikTok because at the moment people are accidentally getting the news from it. You're going there to have fun. You're accidentally getting 30 seconds of half correct and half false news and it's not even your fault because you didn't go there to find that news but you got it um but I just don't think that's something that like one or two publications can solve by Mm. doing really quality news unless and this is not in TikTok's best interest to do it but TikTok should have like a little news bar like news section news vertical down the bottom where they pay like BBC and New York Times and stuff to make content to go on there but I mean I don't think they want they don't want the news there they 
So anyway, right, that's, that's right. another theory that's gone out of left field. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's really interesting. Just because I heard you and you and Slam Dunk, uh, Duncan Creeve <laughs> talking about that, and like, and I heard your skepticism of like, oh, I can't believe all these students, these young kids are getting uh, the news there, and you propose some of these ideas that you're talking about yeah. now, um, and how important it is to get factual news there. But I was sort of thinking, like, how different is that need for news on that platform from the need that you saw a few years ago with Instagram? Like how, obviously the the apps function differently and those yeah. ways that they function matters a lot. But I, I, I was wondering, do you see those as like massive differences or do you just see that as another opportunity for um, a, a different media organization or yourselves eventually to to move into? I think the difference the difference was that I was when we went to Instagram it was because I was trying to make sense of news I was already seeing like make sense of cuz I was still an avid news reader so it was making sense of news that was from reputable sites and sources and I could take it sort of digest it spit it out in something you could understand with TikTok it would almost be fighting against all the misinformation that's out there like hundreds of millions of videos with one account and it would be like a David and Goliath situation like yep shit you should care about is here to debunk every single thing ever and purely like resource wise I just don't have the time yeah yeah. (laughs) but look I would love to be able to get on there and make really good content that also cut through and got heaps of views. I just don't know how to do that right now. Yeah. Well, and maybe this is why more people need to pay for the news that they love so that yeah. so that you can hire a team, have a little TikTok mm. team, right? If, if people, exactly. This, this is why, yeah, you give, give to the people doing the good work and uh, they can <laughs> grow and do more good work in different areas. <laughs> Oh, I wish, uh, honestly, I wish everyone thought like that. That's obviously you've seen and you know one of our huge things. And one of the things I'm most proud of from this year is we launched um, Cisco Supporters, or you should care about supporters, which is where if you can, we've adopted the like tagline, normalize paying for the media you love. So that, because as young people, we grew up not having to pay for newspapers, not having to pay for like, TV. We had YouTube. You know, we didn't pay for Sky. We didn't. We don't buy magazines. Well, I do, but I'm a freak. Um, and so we get everything for free, which means it's been full of clickbait, full of ads, full of you know fake stuff. And so we're really big on trying to like set the value system in place now because we know our young people right now can't afford to pay for the media they love. That's fine. We do not mind that. But if we start putting in their heads, like just as you would pay for you know, Netflix or whatever, something that you see value in, you should start seeing value in the media you love as well. Because especially right now, there's just, it's so hard to make money as a media company. I mean, I was told this in at uni, I was told not to be a journalist because there's no money in it. It's obviously not why anyone does it. You don't start a business in the media to make money, I don't think, unless, I don't know, you're Murdoch or something. But <laughs> I... <laughs> Yeah, we've, that's actually one of my favorite parts about our audience is we have this gorgeous split between young people that are on social media and reading the newsletter and things like that. And then slightly older people who also love getting the news from shit you should care about. But the like 30 or the 25 to 50 year olds, will they will pay for the media they love. And it will basically like sponsor, it'll make sure that we can keep doing this for the young people 
and sure. I think that is one of the best things about the platform is yeah seeing the older generations pay so that the younger generations can actually read good stuff for sure for sure yeah that's yeah that's uh a pretty important intergenerational thing there um yeah yeah because 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 too often we hear like the older generations just griping about kids these days always on you know all this garbage complaining and it's like well just pay $8 a month and then like, <laughs> you're helping them. Okay. Like stop complaining and do something about it. You can do, you have agency, you have money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. I get so many um, responses to the newsletter that, and it's always, I know I'm definitely outside of your usual demographic, um, but X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, you're actually yeah. not because you are not the amount of people that I get every day saying that exact line, like, we write news for everyone. It's yep. not just for young people. And in fact, it's it's like largely for like all of my dad's friends love shit you should care about. And it's okay. like, that's the coolest thing ever. Cool. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I, I love, I appreciate that because so many people I bump into say, oh yeah, that's the, that's like the news group for Gen Z, right? Like, I, or people be <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm only on it. Like I'll meet someone who's who's older than me, who's like, oh, I'm just on it because I want to know what Gen Z's up to these days, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, but actually you love it. And yeah. like, yeah. and also like your audience is way more diverse than I think, uh, yes. than people think. So tell us a little about your audience and it might differ across platforms. Tell us, you know, demographics or, or location, right? Uh, yeah. Um, tell us about yeah. your audience on these different platforms and how, how you've gotten to know it. Have they evolved? That kind of stuff. So first of all, one thing about us is we've never, ever, 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 ever had or used the phrase target audience. I just mm. think when you're talking about news, having a target audience is just a weird way to go about it. It's like it's affecting everyone. It's happening to everyone. So anyway, so we've always just, um, I mean, like Ruby and Liv have never once told me to alter my tone to talk to certain people or pick different stories to, uh, to talk to certain people it's always been just go with your gut and just talk about whatever feel like whatever feels like it's bubbling or feels like people might not know about it or the audience like half the stories I talk about is because I have been pointed it out by our audience which is much smarter than me so maybe that's our target audience is people smarter than me because they help me every morning do the news um but in terms of in terms of uh where everyone lives on Instagram, which is the place we can't get many um, like insights from any of our platforms because we're using platforms. Yeah, we don't own them. Yeah, and some it's just like you know data stuff. We don't want to ask people for too much because we don't want you to feel like you have to give us things about you. But fifty um, percent of our audience is from the states uh, on, on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, and that is. That's kind of reflected across the board. Um, and then we have Canada, the UK, Australia, and then New Zealand. I think only about 4% on Instagram is from New Zealand, um, which kind of works out relative to the size of these countries. But then in the newsletter, definitely I think about 40% is made up of New Zealand and Australia, and they're definitely – the loudest in the responses I think because there's a lot of very 
Kiwi things that I say or do and they really relate to it. So we have a very engaged New Zealand and Australian audience. Um, and again, those same like top five country splits, very, very Western countries. I do have a lot of um, people that respond to the newsletter from India. And the only reason I know this is because when I post TikToks, TikTok is banned in India. And so they will like ask me to send it to them directly just so they can see what I've been doing during the day, which, which is so cute. Like everyone's, it's so, everyone is honestly so invested. Um, TikToks, I have no idea about the audience because TikTok is just hit or miss, throw as much shit as you can at the wall and hope something sticks. And um, same with Twitter. I don't really know what the breakdown is. Podcasts, again, I think about most of the listens are from the US, which is really interesting because I feel like the podcasts skew a little bit more New Zealandy vibes, but that's cool. People want to know about New Zealand. Um, but yeah, we have it. So we have a very global audience, which sometimes makes uh, working with brands or working with organizations, especially New Zealand ones, interesting. It can be a little bit harder to strike deals to help us pay our rent because they see a whole lot of the audience is wasted because only a small percentage is from New Zealand, but that's fine. That's a growing all, pay. All those Texans are just wasted <laughs> listeners to I, I the know. New Zealand brands. I know. So if you listen to this and you're from the States, unfollow. No. <laughs> Don't. Oh, that's, yeah, but that's, um, it's interesting how it's different across the different platforms. Um yeah, and actually, you you said something about TikTok there that reminded me. Well, I guess because because the newsy today had Hank Green in it. Uh, yeah. This is a, a, a weird non sequitur, but but I I thought this was an interesting point. So did you? I don't know if you saw the uh, Hank Green made a video a while back um, recently about like the difference between um, getting paid. No, not getting oh, paid no, no, between no. between YouTube video and TikTok video. And he was saying, "Have you seen this?" No. Okay, it's really. I think you'll you'll find it interesting. Um, he was sort of saying, look, the difference between YouTube video and, and TikTok is not the length, is not the verticality. The difference is on YouTube, I select or you select what it is you want to watch. On yeah. TikTok, you select what you want to keep watching. That yeah. is the fundamental difference between mm. for him between those two. And I thought, just thought that was so smart because I think that that like that's such an interesting like to think about that through the lens of the news is really interesting, right? Like yeah. uh, that you don't have as much control as a as a, a viewer of say TikTok yeah. over what you're getting. Um, yeah, that is actually that is interesting, and that and especially in terms of the news, because imagine if um, on TikTok, me imagine if you got your news from TikTok. So many people do, but there's like this one story about four students in Idaho, I think that. Mm. Um, were killed and we were talking about it at dinner last night and two of us had seen the story and then our TikToks were flooded with it and four of us at the table had obviously not come across any of it so they had no idea about this new story going on so it's not this like one calibrated area where everyone's hearing and seeing the same news it's like two of us can't stop thinking about this one tragic thing that's happened and the rest of us are oblivious to it all because TikToks decided yeah that's really interesting mm, mm. Yeah, Ugh. and I'm and I'm sorry that the U.S. Uh, continues to dominate your news coverage in ways that that are all that are just always tragic. It seems like. <laughs> uh, oh, it's not your it, fault. It's not your fault. 
enough. I always find like I'm feel like I'm running around apologizing, especially from Texas. Like the first time I lived abroad as a as an undergrad was during George Bush's years, and I lived in Austria. And I just felt like I was constantly apologizing oh. for for everything that our <laughs> Texas president did. Uh, oh God! Well, but, I mean, it gives me something to write about. So yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> right, it keeps you employed. Hey, yeah. uh, actually, so that's an interesting question. Can I ask you about like the things that you write about? Like, um, I was thinking as I read as I read through the newsy this morning, um, not just how damn early you were awake preparing the newsy, <laughs> but also <laughs> like I'm really curious to know. Um, how you, what makes the news and what doesn't. Uh, and I know that before, I think somewhere you've said, ah, go with your gut kind of, where you have these dinnertime conversations like you were just talking about and like, ah, not enough people know about this. Um, so it's, it's, it seemed, it sounded the way you've talked about it before is gut or instinctual, but like maybe a way of like pinning this to like a little more detail. It's like, what didn't make the news today? What? Yeah. Okay. Is that so is that useful? Example, like, should, should I read? Should I read through what what the news is today, or do you do you do you have it memorized or because you just wrote it so fresh? Um, I don't have it memorized because I'm like a sieve. I'm writing about it, and then I have the rest of my day to have to think about. So, no, I remember what didn't make the news today. Oh yeah, and okay. and it's like it's a bunch. It's a bunch of things. So. First of all, on Monday mornings, it's always um, a big day because the weekend, the news has happened over the weekend. I don't stop reading it and the news doesn't stop happening. So I, um, my like notes app or my slacks to myself is just things I've thought about over the weekend that I need to remember to put in the newsletter. By Monday morning, most of them get bumped because something news happened. But I try to have a mix of um, like, hard news stories and then pop culture stories and then sometimes a column from like Bell or Slam Dunk or today we had Hank Green in there and so I try to have like five plus a mundane poll that's a good day where I'm not hungover and I'm up early and I'm writing the news but like some days if it's too much pop culture that's that's one thing that I love and that's hard about having an engaged audience is that people will reply to me and be like there was no real news in this today or, you know, like I will often get it just, and, and it doesn't affect me. It keeps me like accountable for writing good, a good newsletter. But um, anyway, so today, like we had, I think we had quite a few like hard news stories. We had Elon letting Trump back on Twitter. We had the COP27 conference meet up where they decided that richer countries should pay poorer countries. Um, what else did we have? We had Hank Green in there talking about socks. Yep. Awesome um, Socks Club. <laughs> awesome Socks Club. We had a mundane poll about Kit Kats. Are they cookies or are they, is it a chocolate bar? What do you think, first of all? Chocolate bar, and it's so far yeah. dominated by chocolate bar thinkers, that poll. Okay, good. <laughs> and then I can't remember what else we had. So but... you had uh, uh, the Justice Department investigating Ticketmaster. Yes. 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 So that's like pop culture and that's my favorite type of story because it's pop culture it's and it's like hard news. And I feel like that is where we shine. And I'm about to record a podcast all about that. Anyway, awesome. so there was these stories and all of them to me were kind of hard news-ish stories, but that's because I bumped and I forgot to take it out of my intro. Like I was going to talk about Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde breaking up, but the newsletter was too long and that just wasn't as important. I was also going to talk about 
Qatar and the FIFA World Cup, but mm. that needed more time. It needed more energy and time in the newsletter. So that got bumped and maybe I'll do that on the shit show or in another episode or in another newsletter where it, it isn't surrounded by all these other stories. So I, it is gut instinct, but then it's also like editorial, like just things that I know are going to work with the audience and length of newsletter and how much time the audience have in their day. Um, but yeah, it's all still floating around in my head. I know where to put each thing that I've bumped. It's like an ecosystem in my head, right? So it's interesting. But that's a great question too. Well, that's terrific. I really like that that answer that gives us a picture because I think the yeah, like the way you're describing it is is like put, the things that need more nuance. Well, they need to go on a different platform or maybe yeah. um, a different a particular audience or something. So you could throw mm-hmm. stuff on the podcast to really dive into it. There's also a timeliness to it, like 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 Musk and letting Trump back onto Twitter. Like that's hot. That's coming now. That's a one one and done event. But FIFA World yeah. Cup that shit show yes. is going to be going on for a month yes. right you you yeah. have space to like attend to that when you need to fill a gap sometime after it's been stewing in your brain for a yeah and then these stories like i should really follow up and if i could i would but i can't follow up on most of the stories i write about and and i wish that i could because most of them have developments right but the the vibe of the newsletter is people sort of want the overall breaking story and only when it has a really huge development um like with Brittany Griner in the in the states I follow up on that maybe once a month because it doesn't have huge developments all the time and so there's things like that that um I have to decide when when to actually follow up on a story and often I'll forget because the news cycle loop you know we lose interest Mm. and yeah so it's an interesting balancing act, but the newsy definitely serves a purpose that's very, um, like a very obvious purpose in my mind, which makes it easier to choose stories. And yeah. So, like, how do you see the difference between news media, influencer, creator? Like, where those three overlap, and like, why it why it matters? I think because we um, grew up when influencer was kind of like a dirty word and so we wanted to be able to be taken seriously in our field which we told the like we are in between I would say creator and um news media or just media in general but I think it was important like honestly for legitimacy reasons for people to take three young women in the media industry seriously working on a platform working on social media which was something that when we started um, news were really shying away from and they were trying to not lean into it and they were like it's it's not good for you know legitimacy and no one should be reading the news on there and then the fact was people were getting the news from social media so they should actually lean in and just make it good um, so I think for a long time we didn't get taken seriously or we got underestimated and now it's sort of because we've insisted on saying we are a media company, we do the news, we also do culture stuff, we also create content on behalf of people. I also like making memes, like we do it all. And I think now that's what all news agencies want to do or want to be. So by us saying that we are like a news organisation from the start meant that we are the one that they now look to to either copy or to come and ask for advice 
about how we do it and to which I always just say, if you want to reach young people, you need to hire young people. That's like mm. the number one. Yeah. Um, Instead of being dismissive of young people and saying, oh, you're yeah. on social media. Go yeah. go pay them. They know the social media really damn well. <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 um, shit. No, lost a train of thought. And it was probably going to be controversial anyway. Oh, I but interrupted yeah. you. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I honestly think it's the wisdom teeth medication that's <laughs> making me like forget where I'm at. Um, but no, I think we, it's a legitimacy thing most of the time. It's just yeah. making sure that we always, like we always center being a media company in front of everything else that we do. And if you don't see that, or if you want to call us influencers or whatever, then that's fine. But don't sort of. I don't think it's fine. Advice. I think that's being dismissive of, of, <laughs> yeah. of smart young women uh, in a way <laughs> that sounds pretty sexist. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Okay, it's not, not fine. fine. <laughs> um, can I ask you, so one one more thing about um, uh, sort of related to this, uh, I think, and related to my head, is about authenticity, right? Um, you said previously, like, you always make sure stuff is in your own voice and um, and... Yeah. Anyway, so so I'm sort of interested in this idea of of, of authenticity because you share lots about personal life, right? <laughs> Bolly belly, wisdom teeth, all this stuff, right? Um, yeah. I'm curious to know what the authenticity, personal authenticity, brings um, to to the to the news uh, that you're sharing or to the cultural uh, information that you're sharing. Like, why 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 the emphasis on authenticity? Um, well, one, because I literally can't operate in any other way. Like Love I it. am, I think the reason that we can be such oversharers is because we don't show our faces. So we have this level of our online life. People know heaps about us, but if they saw us in real life, they don't actually know who we are. So we're really safe and we can be really open and authentic. I just think, I mean, I think the two biggest values for young people is transparency about when you've got something wrong and authenticity. Like they want to know they're talking to a human, not an organization because I think for so long um, and, and still, and there is such a place for this, especially in the news, you don't feel very connected to what you're reading because there's no tone of voice and nothing, nothing that shows why this person writing it might care about this. And I just, I mean, it's not for everyone. It works for us because the engagement that being authentic creates means that people not only care about the news that you're writing, but with me, they care about how I'm feeling when I'm writing it. If they can sense I need a day off or a week off, they'll tell me. Like when I wrote, I just had my wisdom teeth surgery and I write the news genuinely because I love doing it and I get really bored if I'm not, if I don't have it to do. And so I sent one that I wasn't even meant to send. And I got these replies just saying, please don't be sending this if you're not up to it. We know you need to rest, go and rest. And that Aww. type of engagement, it's the cutest shit of my life. Yeah. That type of engagement is, um, it's what's going to make your thing successful. I think if you are a small media company that doesn't plan to take over the world we like being niche and we like being like you know just a small team doing what we can with what we have and that relies on I think yeah them them knowing us as much as they can also like the whole 
company and the whole way we talk about the news and we talk about life, I think is based on like my upbringing and being a One Direction fan Mm. and like growing up with brothers and like every good or bad event that I've ever been through in my life forms the way I think about the world. And so it's helpful context for people to know that like if I'm talking about something like grief, it's because I have lost someone close to me and so they know that I'm not just here talking about it because I have to. Like I think it's another level of them being able to trust what we do. Right. So, so you demonstrate so not only do you bring them the factual news, just like any other organization is, but you get people to care about the factual news by literally demonstrating you're caring about it in in the moment. Yes. Yeah, and also beautiful. it's like I wouldn't be writing about this at five AM for you every morning if it like wasn't worth caring about. So Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there anything you don't share? Like are there hard lines like you don't share your photos, right? So yeah. in terms of this authenticity, like what are you what are you like, mm, we're just not gonna go there <laughs> with with what? authenticity? Don't... Honestly, I the fact that you all know that I threw up in a hotel lobby in Bali, I I, I actually I think this is why it works, is because there's not much because we don't share our photos, everything else I feel like is free ride. Like ev- even things that I've thought this is never going anywhere. I'm definitely keeping to myself. As soon as I'm up writing the news that I'm like, fucking hell, all the new, all, all the audience should know about this. Like, this is so funny. Why would I keep it to myself? It's just how I'm wired now that Brilliant. there's not that much that's off the table. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Um, well, let's talk, let's, let's, uh, on our way out here, let's talk about um, what's next for y'all. Where can people find you on all those different platforms you named earlier? Where, what do you want to point people to? Um, the newsletter is definitely the best. I'm the a big fan. It's the, the best. <laughs> it is actually the best. It's my favorite part. So the newsletter, you can find it at the link in our Instagram bio or on our website. Or if you just type in shit you should care about newsletter and Google, it should come up. It's basically me giving you the news every morning in a really fun way so that you can engage in those conversations at dinner without feeling like you don't know what's up. Um, And then we also have a weekly pop culture podcast called Culture Vulture, which is really, it's really fun. We talk about the way that pop culture influences the rest of the world and how it's not stupid to be a fan of things. It's actually really cool to be interested in pop culture. We also have a news podcast called The Shit Show because the name basically explains why the world is a bit of a shit show. And then we are on TikTok, Twitter, for however much longer that exists, and Instagram, <laughs> um, everything's that shit you should care about. You can find us anywhere. Mm-hmm.